So we're continuing with Gospel of Thomas from three versions. Marvin Meyer, Thomas Lambden, and I believe an Andrew Bernhard interlinear, uh, hypertext interlinear. And we have just about um, uh, 20 something to go, um, 26 or something. And we will um, finish this in a couple of classes. So I believe last time we completed saying 81, but I'll just go through it. And the three versions are not so different, starting with Meyer, then to Lambd, and then to Hyperlink or Interlinear. Yeshua said, let a person of wealth rule, and a person of power renounce it. And the Lambdon is, let him who has grown rich be king, and let him who possesses power renounce it. And so there's a difference between growing rich or wealth and possessing power or being a person of power. And so there's the difference here between worldly accumulation and um, what I think is metaphysical power accumulation or spiritual accumulation. And so in the case, in many ways, um, or in some way, there's a very subtle um, metaphysical distinction being made here in terms of the two paths. If you value material accumulation and you are greatly successful, you'll be a person of wealth, you will be a, a, you will have grown rich. And if you're on that path, go right ahead, be the king and be the ruler. But if you um, value internal development, uh, this is just one way of looking at it, um, then by internal development one will grow into power. Now, power is many, very much associated with the, the property of will and um, the spirit complex and the development of six and seven chakra. It's, it's that which, it's the manifestation of access to intelligent energy from a metaphysical view. Some people say, oh, third chakra is the power center. Well, from a human worldly material perspective, you can say that. That's the lower, the top of the lower triad is yellow ray, third ray. But the top of the seven ray situation is seven, and seven manifests through six, or contact with intelligent infinity, which is access to, you know, contact with the seventh chakra or connection to seventh ray, manifests as uh, access and ability to use intelligent energy. And so then we're talking about uh, intelligent energy or contact with intelligent infinity, sixth and seventh chakra linkage, allowing access to intelligent energy, which is power. Metaphysically, the quality of will or power is associated with light or the basis of the seven rays or intelligent energy sixth chakra activation and that comes from fourth and fifth chakra activation actually and so um, it may be that what's being said here is um, there are two paths you can go by um, and if you want to if your value is material accumulation growing rich and wealthy uh, go right ahead and you'll rule this world but if you're seeking power or internal development you need to re renounce the worldly. Renounce it. You can say renounce power. You can say renounce 
wealth and rulership. And the interlinear uh, is not much different. The interlinear 81 says Yeshua, he who did become person of wealth, let him become sovereign, but this sovereign is not the same as kingdom of heaven. Let him become sovereign, and he who possesses as belonging to himself a power, let him renounce. And so, be, the, the distinction again, a person of wealth versus the person who possesses as belonging to himself a power. And uh, it's not, you know, such a, such a complicated point, but there certainly are two paths. And those that are on the negative path are first attracted to worldly um, accumulation, um, wealth, and control of humans, control of institutions. And so, again, Yeshua came to bring a sword and make clear um, the two ways. 82, Yeshua said, Whoever is near me is near fire, and whoever is far from me is far from the kingdom. From Lambdon, Jesus said, He who is near me is near the fire, and he who is far from me is far from the kingdom. And so, they're not too different there. Proximity to Yeshua is proximity to fire. Um, distance to Yeshua would be distance from fire, but is distance from the kingdom. Now here the kingdom means the kingdom of heaven within. And this is how you know we, we see the teacher or the adept or the savior, Yeshua, like fire. This is a very common analogy in Buddhism, Hinduism, it's understood. The guru is like a fire. Get too close, you get burned. Too far away, you'll freeze. And so, not too close, not too far from the teacher or the source of information or um, the heart of teaching, but particularly a teacher who, embat who, who is associated with power. And too close is dangerous and too far is unhelpful. And so, um, far from Yeshua is far from both fire and the kingdom. What fire? Fire is also another analogy for intelligent energy, actually. And so fire as metaphysical power. And uh, you can see how what may have been uh, an esoteric kind of symbolic statement, I am like the fire, I am like the kingdom of heaven, um, becomes literalized or um, downgraded in later uh, generations as he's the one and only son of God and if you follow him you go to heaven and if you don't you go to hell or only by following this man and this man's words uh, can you be saved rather than Yeshua as um, a representative of the Logos or a representative of spiritual fire or a way shower to the kingdom and Gautama was called a way shower. And so, nobody, Gautama never said, follow me. <laughs> no guru says, um, you know, be my, be my uh, servant forever. They basically say, you know, this is what I'm showing, follow this way, learn it well, and you'll save yourself. So, from the interlinear 82, says Yeshua, he who is near to me, he is near to the fire. And he who is far from me, 
he is far from the sovereignty and that's what capital S sovereignty kingdom of heaven or the the realm of love and light within that um, leads to freedom from you know material recycling actually and so um, commonly people think oh uh, surrender to the teacher and be obedient to the person uh, and you'll be saved um, but actually <laughs> that is not true and so it's the internalization of what a teacher or a teaching presents that saves uh, obviously so we know that and the whole notion that Yeshua said I am the one and only son of, of God and uh, follow me or um, you know, do what I say and you'll be saved, and if you don't, you can't. If you don't follow me, do what I say, or believe that I'm the one and only Son of God, Son of the Father. If you don't believe that, you won't be saved. I don't think he ever said that, <laughs> frankly. And so, we certainly don't see any kind of cult of personality in the Gnostic uh, presentation. And so that came later. And that's a way of controlling people, actually. Uh, not only by a teacher who says so, but by uh, succeeding generations of leaders who say you've got to follow him and this is the one and only way because you know there are many ways of developing the seven chakras there are many ways of developing mind body spirit complex obviously 83 from the mire to lambda to interlinear yeshua said you see images but the light within them is hidden in the image of the father's light he will be disclosed, but his image is hidden by his light. Very esoteric, very much um, uh, working on the Plato cave analogy. That what we see, and even what we experience conceptually, you know, what we see is perception, but our interpretation or making sense of perception is cognitive, is conceptual. So our perception, conception, personal fashioned experiencing of life um, is akin to the shadow on a cave wall where the light is unseen and so that's akin to the images that we see imagos and so what we see or the material world or space-time is a is in some very deep way metaphysically a mirror reflection of time-space what we see, and that's the whole notion of maya, or illusion, from a Hindu perspective. It's mayic, or um, illusory, insubstantial, anatta, uh, not only because it's impermanent, or inicha, um, but also because the space-time is a sort of reflection out of time-space. And so space-time, the world of image and form, whose basis being light within them, the light within these images or these apparent or these shadows on the cave wall or our perception, conception, fashioned experiencing, there's a light within that that's hidden by our perception, conception, fashioning. And so Gautama called this naming activity. And the, the one who's fully awakened is free of un unnecessary naming activity where they know naming activity is such <coughs> meaning 
um, reality is, but my interpretation of perception-conception is an add-on or is a fashioned chimera um, overlay uh, shadow manifestation of the reality that is unnameable, that is unspeakable, that's beyond or prior to naming activity. So what's prior to naming activity is the light within the images. That light within is ultimately um, not only time-space, or the astral or higher dimensional, uh, but the source of the whole octave. <laughs> and that's, you know, the logos and uh, the intelligent energy that, or chi, or ki, or prana, uh, numa, that is the basis of um, outer appearance or form. So there's reality or light hidden within the shadow or the image or our conception of our perceptions, and this is the Father's light. So it's the image of the Father's light. Space-time is an image of um, the logoic uh, third density time space and um, the material world one two three is an image or a reflected um, shadow illusory insubstantial manifestation um, of higher dimensional reality uh, he will be disclosed meaning the father but his image his image is hidden by his light <laughs> and so then you've got the images that we see it's a very subtle complex statement 80, uh, saying 83 actually so we're seeing images or our man, our experience interpreted experience of our perceptions conceptions in 3D space time these are images akin to images meanwhile there's a light within them that's hidden in that image and the image within them is the father's light <clears throat> meaning the, the logos or intelligent energy or reality uh, beyond fashioned experiencing uh, you know you can say that's the Buddha mind the mind of the Buddha or the Buddha in all things or something it's a very crude way of putting it that the Mahayana Buddhists did but there is some truth and so what is hidden by form what is hidden by uh, naming activity or conceptuality or conceptualization what's hidden um, is its source and the manifestation of its source is this, the light of the source or intelligent energy the source of the, the light of the logos is the power within he will be disclosed meaning the reality of source can be seen unknown but his image is hidden by his light <laughs> and so uh, <clears throat> hidden light you know this is very <laughs> it, we've got image that's hiding light uh, and and light that's hiding image <laughs> so uh, the light within the outer images is hidden by the image of the father's light so you've got outer images and then you've got an inner image of the father's light um, there's his image and the images we see <laughs> and the images we see hides a certain light um, but the image of the father is actually itself hidden by that light within the outer images we're seeing uh, he can be disclosed 
but you really won't see what he what he is um, until you leave the octave. <laughs> 83 from Lambden. Jesus said, The images are manifest to man, but the light in them remains concealed in the image of the light of the Father. He will become manifest, but his image will remain concealed by his light. So you can say there are three levels here. There's the images that are manifest to us. Now, is that uh, those are you can just say nama rupa, the um, five form or body-based perception, the spheres of sense, right? Touch, taste, smell, sight, hearing. Five body-tied senses or perceptional, you know, vehicles, perception doors, sense doors. Buddha says. Then the sixth is mind sense. Uh, <clears throat> those six doors of perception uh, lead to associated, personalized conception, interpretation, fashioned interpretation, right? I'm seeing the tree, and it's very green, or it's beautiful, or, you know, it's this or that. That's personal overlay conception to visual sense perception. That whole thing is the, the is represents the image that is manifest to man. Then there's a light within that. That light within that <clears throat> uh, is concealed. Uh, it's it's concealed by the outer image. It's also concealed in the image of the light of the Father. So there's a there's a hidden light, and then. There's, um, you know, there's the outer image. There's a light within them. That light within them, you can say, is hidden by the outer image or our normal perception conception. Uh, that light within them is concealed or hidden in the image of the light of the Father, which is another image and another light. <laughs> So you've got two levels of image and light. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have a perfect explanation of this right off the bat. I'm trying to figure it out on the fly. So you've got outer images, or outer, you know, our, our normal space-time perception, conception, interpretations, fashioning of our experience in space-time. That is manifest. Uh, there's a light within that, which is, you can say, time-space. That's concealed, but it's concealed in actually an image, another image of the light of the Father. And while the Father becomes manifest, his image being concealed by his light um, is an inner light to the, uh, to the outer objects we see. So there's outer objects we're seeing and a light we don't see. Um, that inner light actually conceals a deeper level of, of the Logos, or the light of the Logos. And um, what the Logos really is, is concealed by the manifestation of light, or intelligent energy. So you can say that intelligent infinity is hidden by intelligent energy. And intelligent energy is hidden by our normal um, fashioning of Namarupa. So these are levels of perception. 83 from the interlinear, uh, 
we want to get real confused, says Yeshua, the images, they are manifest forth to the mankind, and the light which within heart-mind of them it is hidden. In the image of the light of the Father, he will be revealed forth, and his image is hidden by his light. <laughs> so we've got image hiding light and light hiding image. It's really quite a uh, puzzle here. So you've got the manifest images of the world or our normal perception conception uh, of 3D space-time. Those images hide an inner light. <clears throat> uh, the light, that light though, is interestingly called the light which within heart-mind of them. That's so much deeper <laughs> than the other two versions. The light <clears throat> of the images that are manifest or forms or what we perceive and conceive, the spiritual power or light within that is hidden within their heart-mind. And so the way to disclose or see that light is to tap in with our heart-mind, fourth ray, fifth ray. And so the way of seeing the spiritual light hidden in the outer images or the outer phenomena, you know, the phenomena of 3D space-time <clears throat> are normal, what we normally see. The way of revealing the light within is to tap in and resonate by our own heart-mind. And that reveals the light that's hidden within the outer images manifest to mankind, to everybody. Then, there's the image of the light of the Father. <laughs> and so, there's the image of the light um, of the Father reveals the Father. But that itself, um, that image, um, is hidden within a light. And so you've got image, light, and light image. And this is also a um, very subtle uh, principle of reflectivity, as I said before, where space-time reflects time-space. The outer reflects the inner. The body reflects the mind. And mind-body reflects the spirit. And mind-body-spirit reflects the logos. And the logos respect, you know, reflects the galactic. The solar reflects the galactic. And the galactic reflects the intelligent infinity. And so you've got <clears throat> continual... Um, polarity along the path to, f you know, along the path of uh, manifestation from, you know, infinite void or absolutely formless void infinite power love uh, to an infinity, an infinite proliferation of limited forms and limited experiences of consciousness or sentience. That whole creative manifestation is successive polarized reflectivity. Progressive, continual, um, successive um, reflection, re polarized reflections. And so you've got outer image and inner light, and then the light of the Father and its inner image, or its inner reality. So outer inner, inner outer, <laughs> or outer inner, outer inner. <clears throat> so, but the second portion of this, uh, Bernard translates it as, the Yeshua says, the images are manf the images are manifest to mankind, and yet the light within them is hidden. Okay, 
he shall be revealed, he, the Father, shall be revealed in the imagery of the Father's light, but as yet his light conceals his image. <clears throat> this is very much like form is emptiness and emptiness is form. So obviously we can perceive images or we perceive what we fashion in mind, Namarupa. The light within or the power or time-space is hidden. The Father, uh, conversely and like, likewise and conversely, <laughs> likewise and conversely, the Father, or let's say the Logos, uh, is revealed in or by the imagery of his light. The imagery of his light can be said the seven-dimensional uh, octaves that reveal intelligent energy. The imagery of uh, seven-dimensional appearance um, is a form of revelation of intelligent energy. The Father's light is, in, is um, intelligent energy of the Logos. Or Numa, the pneumatic, all right, pneumatikoi, the community of Gnostics seeking Numa, spirit. <clears throat> so the Father's light, as Numa, as intelligent energy from the Logos, um, that light is revealed or shown by the four manifestations of seven dimensions. Yet, <laughs> but and, and interesting, Bernard wrote as yet, as yet. <clears throat> his light conceals his image, meaning what? Intelligent energy conceals um, higher dimensional life? <laughs> Maybe. But surely, um, spiritual path, spiritual development is increasing revelation, increasing sensitivity to what is, increasing uh, perception, uh, increasing cleansing of the doors of perception. Uh, and as I said before, eventually doors of perception are blown out and there's no distinction between subject and object or uh, perceiver and perceived. The, um, the field is known as the seer. <laughs> the, 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 the seer knows its identity with the field. And um, then that field is known as infinite and boundless. <clears throat> and... Um, then there's no more talk of seer and seen or knower and field or um, light and image. But there is this progressive, progressive reflection process going on in creation, as well as recapitulated on the path back to source. Okay, 84. How about that? 84, Yeshua said, When you see your likeness, you are happy. But when you see your images that came into being before you, and that neither die nor become visible, how much will you? How much you will bear? This is now we're getting real esoteric here. <clears throat> uh, we'll go to the lambda. Jesus said, "When you see your likeness, you rejoice. But when you see your images, which came into being before you," and which neither die nor become manifest, how much you will have to bear. Uh, and so, <clears throat> this obviously is tied, associated with saying 83. Uh, there's the contrast between your likenesses, 
and your images that came into being before you and don't die or don't, you know, are, are invisible being stressful. <laughs> so there's the happiness <clears throat> of seeing the outer image or your likeness, and there's the stress or the, the uh, burden of seeing that which came into being before or that which is non-manifest not the likeness but the source of the likeness the light hidden by the image right as from 83 the images we see hide image had light hide a light within them <clears throat> and um that um the light the images that we're seeing is akin to the you seeing your likeness that makes people happy uh seeing your likeness is seeing what appears to be you but isn't really or you see what you want to see or you see um what you prefer but then there's what's hidden within which is your imago or your you know there are many ways it's like form and substance so the outer is form and the inner is substance <clears throat> or the outer is space-time and the inner is time-space or the outer is body manifestation and the inner is mind-spirit uh, seeing the outer seeing what you fashion you may be happy but seeing what's prior to your fashioning <clears throat> your and that's and that's where we see image is not here only outer but also an inner um, like the light that that is the basis of the shadows on the wall uh, seeing something more truly uh, that came into being before you they don't die they don't become visible so they remain invisible they don't arise and pass away but actually they do because <laughs> spirit passes away too. higher dimensions also pass away <clears throat> but they don't materially die because they don't materially manifest uh, seeing that you're gonna have to bear much or it'll be stressful and uh, what is that I don't know um, but um, clearly <clears throat> uh, you're it's seeing um, an inner um, perhaps I mean certainly to some degree seeing how much further we have to go on the path versus how we like to think about ourselves how we think about ourselves to some degree is how we like to and um, how far we have to go on the path or where we really are on the path um, will bring <clears throat> some distress like I have so much further to go uh, but one will also see how for how far one has come so I've come to here that should be credited and I have so much further to go to there that is acknowledged <clears throat> there's a balancing there let's see let's see what the interlinear says um, Lambden or I'm not sorry yeah the uh, Andrew Bernard 84 says Yeshua the days you are seeing your likeness you rejoice <clears throat> when yet you see your images did become from your origin neither not they die nor neither not they show forth you will support under how much <laughs> <clears throat> very very different 
than um, Meyer and Lambden. And so this is why we do the interlinear to see uh, what we see to get a, a more subtle uh, a more subtle perspe perspective on um, what is too freely translated often. And so let's read uh, Bernard's uh, English 84. He said, when you see your reflection, you rejoice. Yet when, we, when you perceive your images, which have come into being from your origin, which neither die nor represent, to what extent will they depend upon you? <laughs> <clears throat> so you see, uh, it's really quite different. To what extent will they depend upon you is totally different than how much you have to bear. How much you have to bear, as Meyer and Lambden wrote, is very much like it's stressful and you're going to have to bear it. Uh, and it's a whole lot different than the images or, you know, your likeness, actually, that you prefer. <clears throat> but uh, Bernard's saying, to what extent will they depend on you? This is a little, really quite different. So, says Yeshua, the days, which is very much akin to day and night and the incarnation in 3D space-time. In During incarnation in space-time, we're seeing your own likeness. Our experience is very much fashioned by ourselves, our preferences, our habitual <clears throat> um, um, ways of interpreting or preferential um, patterns or patterns of preferential fashioning interpretation of experience which can be positive or negative like oh everybody knows I'm terrible or oh I'm the best guy in the world or oh it's always that way or oh I know or oh I never know whatever there is a um, what we experience is very much the product of psychological uh, attachment or spiritual attachment um, and psychological habit. And so during those days, we see our own likeness. We see, we, fa we experience what we uh, are attached to continue in, to our, con our preferred ways of interpreting life and self. And then there's a certain rejoicing, like, oh, this is the world I understand, or oh, it is the way I thought it was, I understand how it is. Meanwhile, <clears throat> um, when one sees one's image or sees a reality beyond the outer likeness or form or beyond the preferential, right? Seeing beyond fashioning. Seeing what is in terms of a self or our nature or our own psychological process beyond our attachments to how we wish to think it is rather than thinking it is seeking to see as it is that is I think um, seeing your images did become from your origin and that's a very nice phrase seeing seeing what we are from source not just outer reflections in form and not just uh, preferential psychological patterns whether they're happy or sad or strong or weak um, seeing your image and this is case meaning image as sort of um, 
real manifestation from origin which the, those images from origin or uh, original original self image or source um, true source self manifestation or self self image let's say which could be called substance or the basis of form or the inner when we see that authentic self images uh, which just so happen to not die or appear meaning they remain in time space or the reality the inner reality that is the basis of the outer appearance doesn't appear in outer space time and it doesn't therefore die okay uh, will you support under how much <laughs> in in some ways it's like saying uh, Bernard put it as to what extent will they depend on you I think that it's more like uh, to what extent can you continue supporting um, your, uh, supporting yourself on the path living in that reality living in that reality beyond the preferential and seeing the harsh truth of how things are um, can you bear it or can you so can you continue supporting your path and um, living in reality rather than living in your preferential very important principle actually 85 the issue was said Adam Adam came from great power and great wealth but he was not worthy of you had he been worthy he would not have tasted death so it's a knockdown on on Adam 85 from uh, Lambden Jesus said Adam came into being from a great power and a great wealth but he did not become worthy of you for had he been worthy he would not have experienced death and so it's the same point Adam the first man um, uh, came into being or manifested um, from the from an origin of great power great wealth meaning the father all right created by God okay fine so he's coming out of great power great wealth but he's not considered worthy of you who's the you you is the one who probably you know follows uh, the teaching and the spirit of Yeshua and uh, you know lives in the kingdom of heaven within who uncovers and is worthy and has qualified themselves to be um, of the kingdom of heaven of truly godliness and he's saying that that even though Adam came from great power wealth and a source of infinity um, he's not worthy of those necessarily who follow um, the righteous way he's speaking because had he been worthy of you or uh, righteous in this way he wouldn't have died now obviously even um, sages and saints on fourth stage arhats physically die so but it's saying that <clears throat> uh, I mean there's even a, even a nod to reincarnation here saying that uh, if he had been perfected in the way that that um, he's seeking to help adepts and his students become uh, he wouldn't have been reincarnated in third density now his physical dying is not actually what's being pointed out here but the fact that I think he had to reincarnate or um, <clears throat> uh, he the, the, he hadn't he hadn't broken his mortality, he hadn't been free he hadn't freed himself of his mortality, 
in a spiritual sense. So, um, says Yeshua from Lam, from interlinear, says Yeshua, did Adam originate from, in a great power, with a great person of wealth, and he did not, and did not he become worthy of you? Were he worthy for being, was he going to receive taste not of the death? <laughs> so he didn't, Adam wasn't as worthy uh, as, I guess, those listening to him, even though he came from great power, wealth, the Logos, Heavenly Father. He wasn't worthy um, because, you know, he wasn't worthy and the proof of it was that he died. If he had been worthy, he wouldn't have died, which means taste of death. And that's interesting, you know, uh, tasting of death doesn't mean death, or it's a little different. You can say, okay, well, they wrote taste of death, meaning death. You can also say that our experience, what, what human experience of death is, is a tasting of death, but not a real death. A taste of death is, is not death. You know, a taste of salt is not salty. Or meaning, uh, if I taste salt, I don't become salt. I just taste salt. And when we die, <clears throat> we don't become death, or our being dies, we taste death. And that <laughs> may even lead some people to consider, hmm, maybe some of these ancient ancients understood, or Yeshua and the others, that death is not the death of a being, it's the being tasting an experience of death. Hmm, that makes sense. So death is not the death of a being. Death is the being tasting the experience of a dying. Obviously. <laughs> 86. <clears throat> These are uh, blessings we get from uh, reading interlinear, close textual um, respect for the text rather than depending on some fellows that uh, want to mm, teach us what they think the uh, original is 86 from Meyer Yeshua said foxes have their dens and birds have their nests but the human child has no place to lay his head and rest now we know Somewhere in the New Testament is something, the Son of Man has no place to rest his head, no place to rest, Yeshua was saying, sort of, it seems, of himself. But here, the original, or at least, you know, Meyer's version, is the human child has no place to rest his, to play, to lay his head and rest. Lambden puts in his view, 86, Jesus said, the foxes have their holes and the birds have their nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head and rest. Okay. So we go from Meyer's um, human child, which may be Meyer's distortion, to Lambden's Son of Man, uh, which is generally how um, it's read in modern you know, uh, translations in New Testament. Let's see what Bernhardt says from the interlinear. Says Yeshua, the foxes possess to them their dens, and the birds possess to them their nests. The sun yet of the mankind 
does not possess for himself a place to recline his head and he to rest himself. So, um, <clears throat> what, what Bernard shows is the son of mankind. And there's where you see uh, Old Meyer is a tricky fellow. So Old Meyer, who obviously has some something going on with him, uh, wrote The Human Child. But actually, um, at least according to a tight interlinear, um, it was the son of the mankind, which Lambden pulled with the son of man. So I would trust um, Lambden and Bernard and interlinear against Meyer, who has now again proven himself or shown himself to be a little, a little off base, it seems. Uh, so foxes, they have a place to sleep. They possess, they own, they hold to them. That's not just to say, you know, the, po the fox has a hole. That's cute, right? The fox has a hole and the bird has a nest. Cool. Actually, the direct was the foxes possess a den. And the birds possess to them. Possess to them. I, I hold to me. I hold to me a, a home. The foxes hold to them a den. The birds hold to them a nest. Both of, both of which is a home uh, and a place to rest. Uh, but the son of mankind, and so that's not the son of God. <laughs> that's the son of mankind. So when uh, when our brilliant translators write son of God, could it have been the original was son of man, son of mankind, or are those two different? I mean, were they both used phrases, son of mankind, son of God? I don't know. But we can see the translators are very they, they they you know if we don't have a translator we don't know anything but um, they got their limitations too obviously so the son of mankind doesn't himself possess a place to recline his head and rest himself there's no rest um, in this world of death this world of impermanence and animals have it but he doesn't and in a way, any Gnostic, any adept, any sage, any seeker who's achieved much um, becomes homeless, spiritually. Spiritually homeless, the left-home person is a phrase in Buddhism. And that's because, um, you know, as uh, Ross Michael said, Babylon will never be my home. And um, this world of, uh, you know, dust and smoke... Um, is not where the the evolved soul stays. The evolved soul uh, exits this class, this this planetary learning realm. And the purpose of third density is to learn the ways of love. Said Ra, they learn the ways of love and get out, and then uh, enter the kingdom of heaven, or in the future inherit the fourth dimensional earth and um, find home in love light of fourth density or the realm of the realms of uh, light beyond the veil and this um, picks up picked up a little bit on in saying 87 starting from Meyer Yeshua said how miserable is the body that depends upon a body 
and how miserable is the soul that depends on both. <laughs> uh, hey, Lambton, wretched is, Jesus said, wretched is the body that is dependent upon a body, and wretched is the soul that is dependent on these two. So the body dependent upon a body <clears throat> may be a person who uh, depends on another person, or a person who identifies him herself with body, seeking a partnership or relationship, <clears throat> or seeking something from other humans in their bodies, meaning other humans embodied, meaning other people in the world. Wretched is the body, dependent upon a body, um, and you can say, what, an infant dependent on the infant, dependent on his mother, the man or woman dependent on their partner, uh, the person dependent on materiality, maybe, but dependency on body certainly is not a is not a not a happy state because the body uh, decays and dies. So dependency on the material realm or anything in space time um, is wretched state of mind. <clears throat> uh, dependent on anything that you can't take with you, <clears throat> right? So you can't take it with you, like what fame and fortune. Okay, material accumulation and social status, uh, you can't take with you, you won't take with you, but to be dependent on that which you can't take with you is a wretched state of mind. Dependent on materialism, meaning materialist worldview, like you only have one life to live, you only live once, um, how do you know? <laughs> do? <laughs> so people are so silly, you only live once, how do you know? I can't prove that you don't live once, but you surely can't prove that you only live once. People just, they like the easy. And then wretched is the soul. <clears throat> so here we're talking maybe about a, a physical body dependent on another body like a, like a child or an infant. Um, wretched is the soul being in the body that's dependent on both bodies. What does it mean? I'm not totally sure. 87 from the interlinear. <clears throat> says he, Yeshua, a wretch is the body which depends on a body, <clears throat> and a wretch is the soul which depends on these both together. And Bernhard, in that interlinear, interprets it, translates it interestingly at the bottom, 87. Yeshua says, wretched is the body which depends upon another body. Oh, that's easy. <clears throat> and wretched is the soul which depends upon their being together. That is very different. It's not depends on them both. It depends on them to, to, remain, to remain together, which depends on body to body remaining in association or even depends upon remaining associated with body. Wretched is the soul, depending on uh, embodiment remaining so, <laughs> depending on materiality, or depending on relationship, or depending on remaining in this lifetime, or depending upon uh, holding w material accumulation, whether it's a beautiful body, I'm so lovely, or uh, I'm rich and famous and powerful. Um, depending on that, the maintenance of that is wretched. Depending on 
uh, uh, one uh, a soul depending on its association with materiality or material accumulation or gain or something uh, depending on that is wretched this is also akin to the uh, eight worldly winds of Buddhism the four pleasant and four unpleasant worldly winds the worldly winds are um, pleasure pain gain and loss praise and blame and then uh, honor dishonor so two are body material and two are social interpersonal uh, the unpleasant the pleasant worldly winds which is what drives most everyone's desire is pleasure physical gain material or particularly material social uh, praise social interpersonal mental and honor social interpersonal mental meaning not so much of body but of mind so depending on all that is wretched <laughs> because it'll all die when you lose and leave it and so even big shots at the top of the world bank become old and wretched it is really true and um, are thrown away because they're no longer serviceable not nice so uh, wretched is uh, depending upon embodiment depending upon the gains of embodiment depending on materialist view um, depending on um, continued association with that which is going to die and fall away which is you know depending on the permanence of the impermanent and depending on that association to that which is dying is wretched 88 getting close to the end for today 88 Yeshua said the messengers and the prophets will come to you and give you what is yours you give them what you have and wonder when will they come and take what is theirs now that is very esoteric to me <clears throat> so messengers and prophets coming to the people they give you they come to you then they give you what is yours or they speak the truth of what you are and your path then you give them what you have so they give you what is yours or they share with you the reality of what you are where you are and where you ought to go <clears throat> you give them what you have meaning one way to look at it um, you present yourself honestly as a wretch <laughs> or as a nice guy or whatever you give them or present to them <clears throat> the reality of, of, of what you are <clears throat> and then it's he said you wonder when will they come and take what is theirs we're not sure what that means let's look at the other versions Lambden 88 Jesus said the angels and the prophets will come to you and give to you those things you already have hmm. and you too give them those things which you have and say to yourselves when will they come and take what is theirs so we're talking about giving and taking angels and prophets <clears throat> or messengers and prophets angels are messengers you say very much so angels the angelic hierarchy 
distinct, obviously, from the free will-based extraterrestrial positive confederation hierarchy, <clears throat> uh, who are free will-based and um, sometimes, you know, uh, of certain distortion, obviously, while angels um, don't sin. They're not uh, omniscient, but they don't sin. And so what they bring is message without distortion, according to their capacity. So angels, messengers, and prophets will come, they do come, when they come, they give. What they give is what you already have. So they're not giving you some material stuff, they're giving you a vision of spiritual reality and your nature and the path. You too then, when they're there, what do you do? You are also giving. You're giving a what? You're giving them also the things that you have. They're giving you the things you have and you give them the things you have also. What do you give? You give the reality of, of your, uh, d your current condition, really. You give the truth of s honest, sincere self-presentation. And then you say to yourselves, um, when will they come and take what is theirs? Now, is that a statement that the angels, messengers, prophets will sometime cake? Or that they don't take but you think they're going to take because you're so uh, confused and, and uh, drunk with taking? hard to say, or, or fear of losing. We look at the interlinear, 88, says Yeshua, the angels are coming to you with the prophets, and they shall give to you those which possess you them, and you selves your those which in hand of you give to them, give them to them, and you say it to yourselves, which day that which they are coming to receive that which is theirs? So I think what, what's going on here is the angels, prophets, messengers are coming and giving. What they're giving is what you already have. They're not giving stuff. They're giving reality, a vision of reality. And you... Um, give to them what you have too, so they give to you and you give to them and the giving to that you give to them is basically not material also, it's the giving of uh, appreciation or the giving of a true you know, a true sincere uh, self um, expression but within that you're wondering what day are they coming to receive, when are they going to take from me and so it may be a criticism, a very subtle criticism of the followers, the disciples, um, who are being given to and worry about when they're going to get taken from. Um, because there's no sense here that these angels, prophets, messengers are taking anything or ever want to take. But people may be thinking, when are you going to take from me? What are you going to expect? On the other hand... It might be that Yeshua was saying, you ought to be wondering, when are they coming to receive what's theirs? Or, what do I owe them? Or, what must I give after I've had this receiving? This receiving of blessing um, deserves what re recompense? What recompense is deserved or appropriate or, or demanded or appropriate to the giving I've received, to my receiving of their giving? What, what will I need to give or share? And that is a useful question because um, there is something called spiritual obligation. And um, to he who has much, much is expected. And to, he, to, to the one who has little, even that little shall be taken away. It's a saying. And let me just um, 
I'll do 89 and then we'll call it a day. From the mire to Lambda to interlinear, 89, Yeshua said, Why do you wash the outside of the cup? Don't you understand that the one who made the inside also made the outside? This may be reference to um, observance of body-related outer uh, mosaic code or um, religious uh, rules and regulations that pertain to body or the outer rather than soul or mind or the inner. Why do you wash the outside of the cup? Is like saying, why do you take care of the superficial rather than the essential? You drink from the inside, but you quash the outside. You need to clean or purify the mind and spirit, not the outer. It's not what a man puts in his mouth that causes sin, but what comes out. It can also be found somewhere in the New Testament, I think. Meaning, uh, eating fish and eating meat doesn't cause sin, but... Um, wrong speech <laughs> may surely create negative karma and um, adherence to proscribe rites and rituals which is an attachment there may be help to rites and rituals yes but attachment and wrong view of rites and rituals is broken at Sotapanna Sotapanni knows that rites and rituals or uh, may well be washing outside the cup and uh, physical performance, physical behavioral performance does not a mind uh, necessarily purify. Mind-heart is not purified by physical activity, but the way in which physical activity is performed by the, the intention, the spirit, the attitude, the inner focus, the inner, uh, the inner basis of outer activity not the outer activity itself. Looking 89 Lambden, Jesus said, Why do you wash the outside of the cup? Do you not realize that he who made the inside is the same one who made the outside? And so, it's not only uh, a refocusing of attention from outer to inner, or a pointing out that you're focused on the superficial or the outer um, inappropriately, but uh, there's a sense that um, the author or creator of the uh, outside is the same as the one who made the inside, or the one who made the inside being the same as the one who made the outside. You care, you don't, you not knowing that. Um, you know, we're created in the image of God, you're only paying attention to your body and social. The, the, the body conditions, material conditions, social conditions, you know, seeking the four worldly, the pleasant, the four pleasant worldly wins. Pleasure, gain, praise, and honor. Seeking those four worldly wins akin to washing the outside of a cup and neglecting the inner is akin to not knowing that um, the source of the outer also is the same source that made the inner and it's interesting that it's written as who made the inside is the same as the outside you would think that first talking about outside we'd say well the outside author is the same as an inside um, but uh, 
this is a, a sort of critique of, of material attachment and spiritual neglect and a focus on uh, creator source being the same uh, and being um, unrecognized. Says Yeshua from the interlinear, and this is where we'll end. Says Yeshua, because of what you are washing the side outer of the cup, you act to apprehend not that he who did create the side inner, himself also he who did create the side outer. So, because of what? <laughs> Why? What's going on, you folks, when you're washing the outer side of a cup? Why? Why are you paying attention to body and, and material gain and social uh, recognition only? That's the outer side. Why indeed are you even stuck there? Why is it that you even want to believe there's only one life to live, you only live once, YOLO? Why do you even want to believe that? Why? Why do people even um, hold tight to material, materialist worldview? Why? Probably because it's easy and um, less obligation, spiritual, less responsibility is demanded if you only live once. And though if, therefore, if you believe that because you like it, um, you rest easy because you don't imagine or you don't consider that there will indeed be a consequence to moral activity, to moral decision. The the <laughs> the multi-incarnational consequences of moral activity good and bad you know good and bad karma good and bad fruit coming from good and bad seeds meaning with love or without love uh, thinking that way is a bit stressful uh, because you're going to be called to account yeah baby there is judgment day everybody's going to be judged by themselves you will be judged but by yourself, by your higher self, with higher self, without hatred, <clears throat> but every little thing will be seen. And so why in the world do people hold materialist worldview anyway? And then he's questioning, you know, <laughs> you act to apprehend not, you, your action uh, is intended to and successfully doesn't apprehend, doesn't see, doesn't contemplate or consider the one that created the inside that the one that created the inside also created the outside you know looking at um, acting only uh, in with materialist personal um, ambition intention uh, certainly doesn't see that that your inner, the one that the you, the you that is um, acting to to acquire the four worldly, the pleasant worldly winds of pleasure, gain, praise, and uh, and uh, honor. You that is seeking that one is created by the same one that created the outer. And why is it that you neglect your source? You you love the outer, but you forget the inner and don't realize that the source of the outer and inner is the same. So, uh, it's interesting perspective and um, very, very standard spiritual um, principle reflection, principle for reflection, is um, 
<laughs> the inner, you know, what you take with you uh, is more important than what you acquire that you'll lose. So <clears throat> next time we'll pick up at 90. And it'll take us a few more weeks. Uh, we'll start with session uh, saying 90. I hope it's been helpful. Um, I appreciate these documents and the translators and um, this opportunity. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time and good night.